It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, our positional offseason outlook focuses on the wide receiver position and questions around A.J. Green. Should they? Shouldn't they? Will they? Won't they? Will it be a long-term deal? What will that future look like at that position? Could be a very pricey position for the Bengals in 2020. Then we get back into the AFC North Ultimate Division crossover. We talk about the Bengals this time. A lot of talk about Joe Burrow. You'll hear a little bit of envy, jealousy, and the voices of our fellow AFC North hosts, and a little bit more talk about the Steelers than, honestly, I would like there to be for you. I apologize in advance for that, but we're going to get into it. We'll start with the wide receivers. In 2019, Joe, the Cincinnati Bengals were below average in wide receiver spending, really only paying A.J. Green. They have John Ross on a top 10 pick deal. They have Tyler Boyd on a, an extension that kicks in next year. Positional spending for 2019 coming into a grand total of $13 million. With Tyler Boyd's deal factored in for 2020, that number actually increases, still just below the league average, but $18.7 million without counting any money for A.J. Green. So if you throw A.J. Green's contract into the mix, that could get really quickly up to $35 million which would put the Bengals second in the NFL behind only the Kansas City Chiefs. And then you'd have to question, is this the second best wide receiver unit in the NFL? I mean, I think potentially it could be really good if Green is healthy and still productive at 32 years old. Uh, We really like Tyler Boyd in the slot. And can John Ross ever stay healthy? Because I think we like the progression he made when he was healthy last year. So paying... A.J. Green, and that I think that's going to really carry this conversation about the wide receiver unit because if you pay him or, or at least franchise tag him, what you're saying is we're spending a lot of money at this position and we're going to use it, use it heavily, and it's going to carry this offense, at least in my opinion. And that is where many of the targets, much of the passing production came from for this Bengals offense in 2019. They didn't use tight ends the way that we've seen other teams have a tight end heavy offense and you can look at you know the San Francisco 49ers the Baltimore Ravens two examples that lean heavily on their tight end even the Chiefs to some degree with Travis Kelsey along with their 40 million that they're spending on wide receivers in 2020 a lot of focus on Kelsey but for the Bengals getting a lot of production out of those receivers and they could free up a million here a million there 
Morris Boeinger, Trenton Irwin, Demarcus Lodge, not likely to be part of that active roster, that active spend. But they're going to have a lot of resources when they franchise A.J. Green, spend at this wide receiver position. And, I mean, when's the last time the Bengals were the top at any position group in the NFL? Been a long time. And to think that receiver probably makes sense for them because they have paid receivers throughout their recent history and it's never been a problem for them they've always invested in the position whether that's high picks or extensions for all of their guys uh, it's it makes perfect sense that this may be the strongest part of their offense right now if everyone's healthy if AJ Green's back but you have to also re- remember that Auden Tate had a really good year stepping in for the injured players ahead of him Alex Erickson's one of the veterans that they pay on the roster I'm not sure if he exactly is that you know, worthy of the contract he has. But as your fifth receiver, I've got no problem with Alex Erickson. But you maybe look at that as if they spend a pick on one of these guys with bringing back A.J. Green, maybe that puts a little pressure on John Ross. Maybe that puts a little bit on Alex Erickson to, you know, make sure that they're a part of this offense, not only number one, but worthy of the contract and the money they're being paid. The other side of this coin, though, is if the Bengals don't end up coming to terms with A.J. Green. Say they get a franchise tag on there. Paul Daner Jr. at The Athletic writes that the Bengals really want to bring A.J. Green back. A.J. Green wants to be back, but the Bengals are worried. They're scared of that injury. They're scared of his inability to complete seasons lately. And until they see it, I don't think they'll believe it. And the fact that you have to have a long-term deal done before the season starts means A.J. will not have a chance to prove that he can go through a season healthy and get an extension. If they franchise him, That's probably it for A.J. Green in Cincinnati unless, again, next season we go through the same deal. Can they get to a long-term agreement? And A.J. Green will be offended. He's on the record about this. So say they franchise him and those conversations happen. They say, A.J., if you get through this season healthy, will you sign a long-term deal with us next year? And he says, we'll see or no. Well, then you have to look at trading him. And then if A.J. Green isn't on the roster anymore, Depending on the value you get back, say it's a second-round pick. This receiver class is where you want to pick a receiver. Yeah, I think the Bengals are justified in being worried about extending him, right? Because it's been a year and a half since we've seen him. Uh, Giving a third contract to a receiver at that age is very risky. And think of what what would he get in the open market? It may be the best option for the Bengals to place the transition tag on him. Let him go into free agency, see what the offers are, because I can't imagine he's going to break the bank at his age with his history, and then give the opportunity for the Bengals to match that offer. There is an interesting idea we haven't talked about before. We'll monitor the AJ Green situation all offseason and keep you informed. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com 
and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code locked on. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe we've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angels Trumpet Ale House. Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Good people, we are back together. The whole happy family of the AFC North, more like dysfunctional family. Really far away from the Brady Bunch. None of us like each other, but hey, we're doing the AFC North Ultimate Crossover. We're here with Kevin, Jeff, Joe's here today, Chris is coming from Locked On Steelers, the whole gang is here, and... You might have noticed the last couple of days, we're following a format of talking about the 2019 season in retrospect first, getting into the 2020 season. We Bengals fans don't really care to talk about the 2019 season. We saw a rookie head coach come in from a Super Bowl loser, have a really tough time getting things going in Cincinnati, lost AJ Green before the season started. So Kevin, the question I think I'm going to ask to reflect on the 2019 season for the Cincinnati Bengals, for you as a Ravens guy, how happy were you to not face A.J. Green this year? What kind of difference do you think he could have made to this team? A.J. Green, a phenomenal receiver, and he has been pronounced and really dubbed in Baltimore circles the Raven killer, and for good reason. A.J. Green, it seems like every time he suits up to play against the Ravens, absolutely kills them. I mean, I'll go back to a few years ago. He caught that Hail Mary right as time expired, forced overtime. He's just a player that you can't really underestimate his value, and you can't really say, you know— The impact that he has is just tremendous, and him being a free agent this year is so unfortunate with the injuries that the Bengals had this season. And even going back to last season, I mean, Billy Price misses the year, and then this season, Jonah Williams. I mean, it's just like the Bengals can't catch a break, and then Andy Dalton doesn't perform well. A.J. Green doesn't play a game, and Tyler Boyd, you know, in their games against the Ravens, he was locked up by Marlon Humphrey. It had to be a few other guys that stepped up for them. It just really seemed like the Bengals just couldn't catch a break. And with the AFC North and all the stuff that was going on with Baltimore, I think AJ Green could have made a tremendous, tremendous, uh, just a tremendous type of player and a tremendous type of guy to have on the field for Cincinnati during the season. And when you look at the Bengals 2-14 and record, you look at how they played, there were some spurts and there were some sparks that I saw out of Cincinnati. Joe Mixon was hot and cold, but towards the end of the year, he tore it up. You 
again, the Bengals trying to see what they have in Ryan Finley. And is that the option for the Bengals? We're going to talk about Joe Burrow a lot on this show today. I don't think Ryan Finley is the option for Cincinnati. But overall for the Bengals, a disappointing season. Now, did anybody expect them to go out and win the AFC North? Probably not. I, I certainly didn't. But I think that People underestimated the Bengals, and yeah, they were a 2-14 and 14 team, but a lot of potential to be had heading into the offseason. So you, you talk about Joe Mixon, and I agree. I think he was one of the best running backs in the league for the last eight games of the year, but was there anybody who surprised you in a good way for the Bengals? You're watching from afar. Is there anybody that maybe you hadn't heard of before that now you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have to watch this guy going forward? Let me tell you, Auden Tate. All right, a guy who I had never heard of before heading into the Ravens' first matchup with the Bengals absolutely torched the Ravens in that first match. The Bengals were targeting Maurice Kennedy quite a bit, and the Ravens had secondary issues, injuries throughout the entire season. And Kennedy was a guy who was asked to step up. He was primarily a slot cornerback, was playing on the outside. And Auden Tate absolutely worked him the entire game. Now, in the second game, didn't do as much, but I think that's because the Ravens actually game planned for him. Auden Tate, a guy who was huge, can win at the point of attack, catch those jump balls. I mean, he's 6'5", 228 pounds, has surprising speed for that size, surprising quickness, and he's only 23 years old, a seventh-round pick in 2018. If I had to really focus in on one player, it really would be Auden Tate for me. And with A.J. Green hitting free agency, as I talked about, about. I think that Cincinnati has a solid, solid guy here in Auden Tate. And I think when you look at the Bengals and their outlook for 2020, he's a guy who I would expect and hope for the Bengals to involve more. Yeah, I like that, Kevin. I remember we talked about him during the season, and I, I think that's why the Ravens went out and got um, uh, Marcus Peters after he torched mm-hmm. Canada yep. the way he did. And, you know, you see the Ravens couldn't um, hide him any longer. But I want to switch it over to Jeff and the Lockdown Browns. Obviously, the Bengals are picking number one, and that's our complete focus and discussion. But the Browns have a lot of experience in that um, in that, uh, that <laughs> situation, I guess, and especially recently. What do you remember from when the Browns picked number one I mean, with Garrett and and with Baker? And what do you? How do you see any comparisons or or similarities or differences here? Oh well, first things first, Kevin. Thanks for pumping Jeff's draft brand when I tried to tell everybody, don't worry about Auden Tate's Cody time. <laughs> How are you going to cover six foot four and a half, two hundred and thirty pounds? Unless you have a ladder, you're not going to be able to cover. Right, right. Um, pleasant surprise. And um, but as far as the overall being having the number one overall pick, um, and I had mentioned this a little bit to Jake last night. You know, all fair. Um, you know, obviously the first year in seventeen. Um, it's what you were, okay, let's go get a quarterback. But what are you putting him into? Now, you look at that situation. Um, you know, Quarterback, how is it going to succeed? There wasn't playmakers. There weren't any. Um, you look at Miles Garrett and you say, you know what? At least he's going to come in and he's going to dominate as a pass rusher from day one. So at least we have a surefire thing. And what's that going to do? It's at least going to give you a shot on defense and you look at that 17 season and there were games that they were close. And then eventually, you know, the breaks beat the boys because you can put up, you couldn't put up enough points. Then we went through, you know, the 18 draft process and, you know, this is where it's a little different for obviously for Joe and, and Jake. It seems like a slam dunk here. I mean, it seemed like a slam dunk before they even gave out the Heisman as far as who's going one overall. And for us, it was, you know, and because there were numerous quarterbacks and they were mentioned um, and we went through the entire process and it wasn't until about 24 hours before the actual draft 
that we knew it was going to be ba- Baker Mayfield. Um, but it's it's fun to cover. It's you know, and for Cleveland, it's not many times that the Cleveland Browns are you know the top story of the NFL. Maybe for bad reasons, but you know, there's not many times where the Cincinnati Bengals are a top story of the NFL. You are right now. You are holding the number one overall selection. Granted, maybe it seems a little dim because it already seems predetermined, and maybe it also seems like this draft starts at pick number three. But who are you guys kidding? You're excited. You're stoked. Um, this guy literally just put together, in my opinion, what was the greatest quarterback season in college football. And you know, people can say, oh, well, this, all of that. Yeah, well, go down and do it in the SEC. Go down and do it and go have to do it through 15 games and literally just get better as it goes on. It, it, it's fun for a franchise. And, you know, everybody talks about tanking. And I don't think anybody thought the Bengals were going to be a team that was going to tank. And I don't think they really ever did in this year. Um, if you really want to look at it, you know, as much as I want to talk about the, the job Flores did with Miami, you got to think there's some people in that front office like, well, man, we, we really thought we were going to be picking one overall. Congratulations on winning, you know, four or five games. But, man, we thought we were going to be picking one overall with all these assets we have. But it's it's fun because, look, you know, what you hope for is if it didn't work out and you put together two and 14 season is we are going to select the difference maker. And you put in the fact that he's an Ohio kid. And there's roots there, skyline chili, whatever it means. Who cares? You need the player. Um, so it's a fun process to get to cover this because, you know, for the Bengals, obviously, guys, way before podcasts, for me with the Browns, uh, we ain't talking about Super Bowls. So what can we turn into a Super Bowl-like performance is covering getting to have the number one overall selection and being excited about it and having the juices flowing about it. Jeff certainly knows a lot about what it's like to be where the Bengals are now. So we appreciate that perspective. But now we go to Chris. And Chris, we talked, I think, a couple of days ago, or maybe it was off air, about how the Bengals scooped up William Jackson one pick ahead of you guys where you went for Artie Burns. Did it feel yep. good to get that revenge? I mean, we talked yesterday about how the Steelers spent all this capital. They moved up last year in the draft to, to get Devin Bush, and then they went out and traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. No one's sure about Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, was it was it how much of that was I want to get payback for the Bengals sniping our picks the last few years? And how much of that was, you know what, Devin Bush is just our guy. Uh, that was zero about the Bengals. First of all, the Steelers aren't really worried about the Bengals. They they haven't really been worried about the Bengals. Even when the Bengals were good, they knew that if the Steelers were having a good year, they'd be able to beat them when it counts. I mean, 2015 playoffs, you know, even when you had everything in your hands and you had Landry Jones in the field. Still found a way to throw that game away. Um, but in all seriousness, Devin Bush was their target from the jump. And uh, they they kind of were hinting at it. You saw them appearing at every every event that he was at, every meeting that he was at. Um, he was exuding the kind of character. They wanted a leader. They wanted a guy that knew, deep, that knew the defense and knew how to call plays, knew how to fly sideline to sideline. That's, that's what they were missing on their defense. And without Ryan Shazier – that was that was the bottom line. Uh, and, you know, it's just, when you took him as the X factor out of the defense, they became a completely different group, and that's why they lost ultimately in the to the to the Jaguars because they had no answers in, in the middle of the defense, and the Jaguars were just able to pick on everything. Um, 
And uh, with with Devin Bush, that was purely them making stepping up, making their moves. And, and I think the Steelers are finally committing to realizing the big thing is that everyone is hyped off of Ben Roethlisberger and you know can he throw five thousand yards? And that's not what they're going to be going for. Anyone that watches the Steelers, anyone that that studies them, knows that the last the only time is they've won the Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger is when their defense was number one, and they want to get their defense back to maybe being in that direction. And I think you have an, a great X factor in Minka Fitzpatrick. I think Devin Bush had a spectacular uh, first year as far as, as as far as how he played. Um, I think he had the eighth most tackles of all time as a Steeler in his in his rookie season. And he was 21 years old. He has he he's pointing upwards in a major way. So I, I think that was a major win. Fitzpatrick was a major win. Um, were, were, were they at the time probably peeved that the Bengals spent a first-round pick on a cornerback when they already had two first-round cornerbacks on their roster at the time? Yes, probably. And and they ended up sticking with Artie Burns, which turned out to be a complete bust. Um, but ultimately, they knew that they could survive that and that the Bengals picking a player in spite of the Steelers – or to spite the Steelers would backfire. And I mean, ultimately they, you know, that, that version of the Bengals flamed out, whereas Burns hasn't helped them, but they've been able to kind of rebuild their defense. And Devin Bush is absolutely a part of this defensive nucleus. I, I fully expect the Steelers, this next generation that goes into this next decade, whenever Ben does retire, if it's next year, if it's two years from now, um, they're going to be expecting the defense to carry them and to carry the, a, a, while they work, work with the ground game and maybe like just a half-decent quarterback. Uh, I, I think it's important to remember Ben Roethlisberger, when they won their two Super Bowls, he was not uh, a top-five quarterback in those years. He was more like, you know, middle of the league but still young and prosperous. I, I think if they just get a young, hot guy or a, a guy that can carry the load and make a couple big throws, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna going to propel the team enough. They want to win with defense now, and I think that they're happy with that. You know, I, I think uh, it was a vengeance pick. I think that uh, it, it. I wouldn't think about y'all. The Bengals, you're gonna fold no matter what. I, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and and you're wrong, and <laughs> it's, it's because that's the, that's, the, that's the argument. They're they're so mad about William Jackson I'm shutting down it. Antonio Brown that one time, man. Mm-hmm. That they were like, you know what? We're gonna trade our entire draft to go get a linebacker. And and we're gonna spend so much capital to get a linebacker. You look at Ooh, p- professional football focus. The best linebacker in the draft when they yeah. desperately needed a linebacker. Yeah, he's a linebacker, bro. We're gonna talk a little bit about Joe Burrow and the Bengals' future here in the second just half. Just one, of the show. just one, just one quick thing. Okay. Um, Devin Bush's father, um, obviously Devin Bush Senior. Uh, I'm a huge Florida State fan, so I know his father very well. I've talked with him for years, and that night. I was like, uh, you know, what's going on? What do you think? What do you think? He's like, he's going 10. He's either going to Colorado or he's like, Jeff, I know what you cover right now. It's not looking good for you, bro. And Devin Bush was a darling of my do that draft process. And it was like 10 minutes. You know, I mean, like, I'm sorry. It was like 10 hours before. And he's like, oh, Jeff, this ain't going to be good for you, man. It ain't going to be good for you. And I was like, you realize I want your son to tear it up 14 games a season. But for two games a year, I hope your son goes goose eggs. <laughs> It'll be fun to watch that future. Joe, you want to get a point in here, and then we're going to talk about the future in the second half of the show. 
Just real quick, the William Jackson pick wasn't in to spite the Steelers. Because no. William Jackson was really, really good. I mean, you got to think of those, those two first-round corners you mentioned, Drake or Patrick, Darquez, and Eric. Jackson was better than them as soon as he stepped on the field. Pac-Man, so, no doubt. First, so, I'm sorry, there were three first-round cornerbacks on that roster at the, at the time. That's right. But like the Steelers, they the Bengals can't draft linebackers. So, everyone knew the, the Bengals needed Steelers a linebacker. Draft linebackers? They draft no, hang on, hang on. Let me, let me finish. Bunch of he ain't a linebacker. Anyways, TJ Watt's not a linebacker. Anyways, uh, point being, uh, like okay. the Bengals can't draft linebackers. Everyone knew they wanted one last year at 11, right? So Aren't that's why we... Like factory of linebackers? Can I, I finish that my sentence? I'm the, sorry, the that Steelers, was a bad statement. <laughs> I, no, because I, I haven't finished yet. The Steelers can't draft defensive backs. So we everyone knew the Steelers were going to draft a defensive back that year. And that's and when the Bengals took Jacks, everyone said, oh, they did it for the Steelers. Just that's how we're seeing it for the Devin Bush pick, because the Bengals can't pick linebackers. Also, we didn't care. We, we honestly, oh. we were past Devin Bush at that point. Uh, because oh, I'm sure you were. No, so here's how we talked ourselves out of it. It's positional value. And, and every time we went through Mock Draft Monday last year, we're sitting there thinking, man, are we really spending? We did a couple times. Are we really spending a top 11 pick on a linebacker? And we didn't. And, and that's kind of the way it ended up shaking out. But uh, what Joe meant there by the Steelers can't draft linebackers, by the way, there's this conflation about the linebacker position that edge rushers count as linebackers. And we don't talk, uh, when we talk about linebackers, we're talking about off-ball linebackers. That's what we mean there. There's your clarification. James Harrison, okay. TJ Watt don't count. We're going to talk about the Bengals' future. We're going to get people's takes on Joe Burrow here in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big news for the Bengals. Big story for the Bengals this offseason is obviously Joe Burrow, that number one pick. Uh, We're sold. I mean, all keys are turned. We're ready to go with this as long as the national media will stay out of it for a little bit. But uh, I want to get your guys' take, the rest of the division take, and we'll start with Kevin. I, you know, what are your feelings on Joe Burrow? Is there any bit of, man, I think he's really good, a little bit of fear here that the Bengals could be, you know, stepping up to the plate with these other two teams in the division that have drafted their quarterbacks recently? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how competitive this division is going to get, and I think with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, it's it's a home run. And I believe that, you know, with Andy Dalton's time coming to a close and there seems to be, you know, a new thing with having Zach Taylor, the QB guru there. I mean, really in all aspects of this, I do think that it's a home run for the Bengals. And when you look at Joe Burrow and just what he brought to the table last season for LSU, he's extremely accurate. He has so much timing on his throws and absolutely excellent timing. He has field vision. He's mobile and surprisingly mobile. You look at Joe Burrow and you see a, a pretty good athlete, but you don't, you know, the mobility that he has, it threw me off at times because I'm like, wow, this is, this is almost, you know, some of his runs were almost, I'm, I'm not going to say Lamar Jackson-esque, but I'll say pretty, pretty up there. He can throw in rhythm and he's difficult to sat going along with that mobility. I mean, you, Joe Burrow checks all the boxes for me as a quarterback. Surefire number one overall pick, of course, if you need the quarterback. Other teams, if they had that pick, you know, might say, all right, we're going to go with Chase Young here, another perennial talent. And that's where you have to decide where is your need at? Is it at quarterback or is it on the defensive side of the ball? For the Bengals, 
it's obviously at quarterback, and you mentioned the Ravens having Lamar Jackson, the Browns having Baker Mayfield. The Steelers are most likely going to get another quarterback in the next few drafts here. At least that's my opinion. So with the Bengals, it's almost, well, all right, we want to get one of our own guys here to kind of throw into the mix with Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. There's really not a lot of weakness in his game to me right now. Obviously, he's a little bit older than the rest of the the quarterbacks here. I mean, Joe Burrow is older than Lamar Jackson at this point, and he, he will always be older than Lamar Jackson. So it's really the only thing I can really say is a concern for me about Joe Burrow is his arm strength. There's a little bit of limit on there. But other than that, he's a great leader. He's a guy who I think really could turn this Bengals franchise around. And of course, the national media is getting their hand in it here saying, oh, they're going to trade out of it. They're going to trade out of it. I really don't think they should. So I think that those are some fair points. The age is a question. 24-year-old quarterbacks coming out usually are flags, one-year production, often a flag. Arm strength can be a flag depending on the rest of the resume. I think that there's enough we've talked about on our own show uh, that we're not really going to dive into those criticisms. I think there's just enough on the rest of the tape, enough on his resume character-wise that you don't have to question those things. There's answers to all those questions, right? But what about the question about the, the amount of talent he had around him at LSU? That's another common refrain. The easy answer is, well, look, he's playing in the SEC. Everybody's good. But Jeff, you could probably speak to the quality of weapons for a quarterback as the Browns go out and get Odell Beckham Jr., put him around. Uh, who's your quarterback? What's his name? <laughs> Baker Mayfield. We're not e- yeah, we're not even talking about that right now with everything that's going on. Um, but what you look at with, you know, and you try to equate with what Joe Burrow was successful with, um, you know, who's going to play the roles? You look at Jordan, uh, obviously Jefferson, who is going to be. Look, at there's a ton of way way you can get him to Cincinnati. That'd be fantastic. But that's where Boyd comes in. Um, and over the last couple of years, and we've talked about it, it's like, wow, this guy's really. And wherever the A.J. Green thing goes, and look, A.J. Green is a fantastic player, has been. But he's almost kind of like a Kaiser Sose for Kevin, for me, and for Chris. We've never really seen A.J. Green play against our teams over the last couple of years. And it A, it sucks because A.J. Green is a fantastic player. So however that works out, it's going to be interesting. And A.J. Green has absolutely been the good soldier throughout his entire time there. But you try to equate it to what Joe Burrow was successful with. Uh, yeah, Boyd playing that Jefferson role, nasty footwork, you know, uh, you know, running stuff inside, outside breaking off linebackers, um, you know, obviously coming in under safeties on routes. That's something that probably will work well for Burrow. John Ross, um, Chase is fantastic. Um, if he were in the 2020 draft, he'd maybe be wide receiver one, wide receiver two. But John Ross, he's, you know, where he became like this red zone threat was kind of weird. You need him to blow the top off of things. Um, the fact that Joe Mixon is a really good receiver out of the backfield. You look at what helped him at LSU and, you know, Clyde's Edward Hilaire. Yeah. I mean, you see this starting to line up where there's some pieces that'll work out for Joe Burrow here. And obviously they're going to bring more in. Um, and, and then you just look at what Joe Burrow did. I mean, the player. And as the situations grew, he just grew with it. And, you know, LSU not a lot of people thought it was going to lead to a national championship season. Um, just the make of the kid and you know, just the way he handled it all. 
and whether it was you know the running ability when it was needed. And look, it was good. It's not great. You know, kind of similar to Andy Dalton. Look, if you're going to give it to me, I'm going to take it. Um, you pair that with Joe Mixon, who's already established in the NFL. It's it's a nice blend. It really is. Um, you know, Pittsburgh may be the odd one looking out here because it's like, you know, Ben's like the the old man on the barbecue while all the young kids are messing around. Give me the ball. I'm going to throw it around a couple times where it's Baker, where it's Lamar, and it's about to be Joe Burrow. I think it sets up well. Um, obviously, Jonah Williams is going to come in here, you know, and, you know, whether he's a tackle, whether he's a guard, who cares? Even if he's inside, you're getting another good player, uh, you know, on that offensive line. It starts to shape up a little bit better. Joe Burrow's coming into a really nice situation here. Question is whether or not, you know, they can get enough on the defensive side of the ball. And this is one thing I keep preaching to people. As much as they got on the Browns defense last year, look, guys, I mean, you, the Ravens have maybe set the standard. Look, you need to be putting up. 28 close to 30 points a week so worry about the offense first look at kansas city what all that they did put everything on offense do they hope for for the defense they hope that they were at least knowing each other and working together week in week out but the key to it all is scoring some damn points and there's pieces in place you have tate whether the aj green thing happens or not you still have boyd Ross, Tate, and Mixon, that's a nice blend for any rookie quarterback to walk into. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next one up is for Steelers and Chris. Chris, are you kind of feeling like uh, with these other teams having their young franchise quarterbacks, you know, if that goes that way with the Bengals taking Burrow, you feel like the Steelers are falling behind a little bit? Any concern, any worry from you guys? I mean, as far as the uh, the future, of course, because you're looking at, you know, I, I believe Lamar Jackson is one of the the best quarterbacks. I, I liked him in his draft. I thought him and Josh Allen were my 1A, 1B guys of his draft class. And uh, when the Steelers passed on him for Terrell Edmonds, I was like, I think that's a mistake. And uh, considering he's the MVP and Terrell Edmonds is still developing, I think that, <laughs> that kind of proves my point. Um, but, um, you know, looking at, I, I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. I just, I, you know, he says he, he says he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't care what people think anymore, but he, he's come out and saying that to people. I'm just kind of like, eh. Um, <laughs> But uh, but Joe Burrow, I, I, I love everything I read about that guy. Um, when I watch him play, he sees pressure developing in front of him, and he still knows where his defense, where his where his offense is. He still knows what defenses are trying to do. He keeps his head up. He keeps it pointed downfield. He's looking and processing. That's what I find the most da- dangerous. I, I, I'm not too concerned about his arm. If I'm if I'm evaluating him as a coach or as a scout, I'm not too concerned about his arm. I want to see what he's doing. As a play is developing, and that part, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm a defensive coordinator planning to, to face that guy, that's what concerns me because if he can dodge the pressure that I throw at him and still keep his head up like that, that's good. That's that's the dangerous part of him, and that's what I really like about Joe Burrow. But all that, all those things considered, you know, I, I'm still concerned um, about the Bengals as an organization. I know that they got Zach Taylor and it's a new coach and all that. But too many times I've just heard this song and dance about, oh, things are going to be different. And, you know, we got Carson Palmer and then we got Andy Dalton and just all those things. Carson Palmer was the golden boy and that never panned out. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I just I, I'm really excited about Joe Burrow in the NFL. I think he has the potential to be great and maybe the best quarterback in the league 
uh, you know, next to Patrick Mahomes. But I just, I, you know, I'm I'm not sold that the Bengals are going to maximize his talent. Um, and uh, you know, I, I really like Tyler Boyd. He's Pittsburgh's own from Clareton. Um, that guy, I've been watching. Uh, that guy's been a bad man for a long time. Um, but uh, but you know, just am, am I concerned about where the Steelers may be going? Yes, certainly in years. But I also think it's it's it may be a little premature. Like they had a, I think it was Chris Canty on ESPN or Fox Sports One or whatever was talking about Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers need to get rid of him now. I I don't think Ben's done just yet. I think it'd be silly to ask him to throw for five thousand yards again. Um, but as far as the next year and maybe two years, I think the Steelers will be fine as far as competitive wise. But the Steelers do need to find the answer quarterback. Mason Rudolph didn't look like that this year. You know, give him another year, see how he does, um, you know, in fill-in spots. But uh, but I do think they need to find an answer at some point that is going to definitively be a franchise quarterback or at least be the guy that can not lose you the games and let your defense and your running game do the most of the work and then you come in the end and kind of save the day at the last minute. Because that's honestly what Ben did when he won his Super Bowls. He wasn't the driving force you know, you go back and look at Super Bowl 43. He was not a good quarterback until the last drive of the game. And, uh, um, and you know, you, you, look at, you look at Super Bowl 40, he was horrible. They won in spite of him. Uh, I don't think they necessarily need the, the best quarterback in the league or anything to win those games. I just think that they need someone that can call an offense, can recognize defenses, um, and, make, and make sure that they're staying on point. Devin Hodges and Mason Rudolph were not doing that this year. Uh, and that was a huge problem with, with how they produced um, so they need to find an answer soon, but I think I think Ben, if if all is to be believed that he's that his elbow is on point and he's everything that we're that we're hearing from his doctors and that he's on schedule to be back, um, he'll be fine this year. But yes, in the next three four years, I think there is definitely a concern in Pittsburgh of what's coming after Ben. I think my concern looking to the future for Pittsburgh is that they get a guy falling like Jordan Love and can sit him and develop him for two years. That's really the only thing. That, that kind of pick in the second, third round, if one of these guys falls, and I don't think Jordan Love will. I think that yeah. somebody's going to get in love with the arm and the 2018 tape and, and give a him arm. a chance. No, I agree. I think a, a team like the Colts may be like, you know what? You know, we're missing Andrew Luck. Let's go get a guy that could become the star for them, right? And I, I, I think it'd be silly for, for teams to pass on the potential of Love. I, I like Jordan Love and his capabilities. You know, when I spend a first round pick, if I see a glaring need on a team and I can address, I think this 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 year in the draft has a lot of potential. I see guys at uh, that at wide receiver that are really exciting. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of offensive linemen that could really add to a unit. That if I if I pass on that, you know, it, I think they may come back to bite me. Um, but uh, but certainly, I think there's a lot of potential for that. You know, a lot of Steelers fans, and I, I'll shout out to the the locked on Steelers Nation that. That always hits me up. A lot of people ask me about Jalen Hurts. I, I like Jalen Hurts as a prospect, but would I spend a second-round pick on him if I'm the Steelers? And I have to say no because I think the priority right now is beefing up the run game. And, uh, you know, if, the, if an offensive lineman doesn't fall to the second round that you're interested in at the, at the 49th pick, um, I, you know, I think that absolutely you're going to have a shot at one of those top three backs, either, uh, either Swift, which Joe Marino mocked into the Steelers. I don't think Swift's going to get that far. Um, but, you know, Dobbins – um, Taylor, uh, you got Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, um, you got Zach Moss. I think any of those guys in the first round could really boost what they're trying to do in the ground game. And that's, what's going to, they need to boost the ground. If they can run the ball and not force Ben Roethlisberger to chuck the ball at the time, 
that's where they find their strength as a team. But uh, as far as the Bengals go, if if they're able to build around Burrow, give him some weapons and protect him, don't let him get beat up in his in his rookie year, and don't don't let that. Because I mean, there were just times you just, especially Andy Andy Dalton last year, you just saw him just like the frustration on his face with how much pressure he was facing just day in and day out sometimes. Um, you don't want that for your young quarterback. Even though I know he's 24 and he's older than Lamar Jackson, you don't want him coming into the league dealing with that. Protect him, uh, invest around that, and see how and see how Zach Taylor does build around your quarterback because that's what you brought Taylor for was to be the quarterback risk whisperer. I know everyone talks to Sean McVay as God around around uh, the NFL, but I'm just uh, I'm still skeptical about how the Bengals handle their organization as a whole. I'm not. I'm not sold that they're they're going to be fixing everything just because they have another first overall, first overall pick. The Bengals haven't picked first overall since Carson Palmer, and uh, I, I was looking How actually because people were saying, you know, the Bengals are going to pick first overall again next year. Why don't they just wait and take Trevor Lawrence? And and the last time a team picked back to back overall was Cleveland, and before that, you have to go 20 years for a team picking back-to-back first overall. It doesn't happen that often. That isn't to take a shot at, at Jeff's Browns. It's just saying. I'm about to say, Jeff, you just going to sit there and Thanks, guys. Well, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is you take your quarterback when you can take your quarterback. It's rare, right? So that's that's all I'm getting at there. I'm hearing a little bit of fear in your voice. I'm hearing some rationalization happening by my peers. And, yeah, you hold up the beer in your hand. That's going to do it for this episode of the AFC guys, North Ultimate guys, Crossover you, as Jeff tries to get in the last word here. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. Before we actually put a bow on this, for you and for Joe, I have two questions, and these are probably really predominant for the Bengals. One, is A.J. Green a Bengal in 2020? Two, are you guys – do you really have a read yet on Zach Taylor after 2-14 and 14 season? You want, I'll go number one, you go number two, Joe. Okay, you got the easy one then. Yeah. Uh, AJ Green is a Bengal unless they get a trade offer after they franchise tag him that they can't refuse. Tyler Dragon, who's the beat writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer, has reported numerous times that the Bengals are committed to at least franchise tagging AJ Green while they try to work on a long-term deal. But the other beat writer, Paul Daniel, well, there's more than just two, but another beat writer, Paul Daniel Jr., who's on The Athletic, has said yep. the Bengals are, they don't want to do the long-term deal because they're worried about the injury. So will he be a Bengal in 2020? They're going to franchise tag him. So, and he's going to play under the franchise tag. He won't be happy about it, but he said he would. And <clears throat> so unless they get a trade offer that they feel is adequate, he will be a Bengal in 2020. Absolutely. And as for Zach Taylor, it's hard to get a read on him because usually when you see new coaches come in, after 16 years of Marvin Lewis, uh, new coaches would come in and they would destroy the entire roster, right, and bring in their own guys and start to establish their team going forward. And you know it would be some sort of rebuild after such a long tenure from that coach. Instead, that didn't happen. That's not how the Bengals roll. You know, they're just going to add a couple players and, and keep going from there. And so I think it took eight weeks to even figure out what he had on this roster where, where they could succeed, what position to put them in. And it was the, a terrible eight weeks to watch of watching guys in the wrong position or doing things that, like, 
you know, if you've been watching the guy for seven years, like, what is it? Why are they telling him to play man in this situation? Why are they running him on these type of routes? That's not, you know, what he's been doing. But they're new players for Zach Taylor. And then something happened at the bye week, and they played so much better. And I know they only won two of those games over the second half. But just hearing the players respond and say that, no, he didn't lose the locker room. You know, everything he was saying and preaching did come true as it went on in the second half of the year. And, yes, they only won two games. They lost eight games within one score. So, I mean, those are usually coin flips. They should have probably been a six and ten team just based on their talent. But I think the major concern for me was that he turned Andy Dalton into the worst version of himself. And anytime you got a coach that makes the quarterback either look really good or really bad, you kind of – obviously you want the guy who's going to make your, co- your quarterback look really good. And that's a concern. Like, what if he's just not a great quarterback whisperer? What if he's just not that kind of guy and you put a number one pick with him and all of a sudden Joe Burrow's not playing up to that potential because of Zach Taylor? So, no, it's hard to have a read right now, uh, but those are just the little things that stuck out after one year. So with that, okay. Jeff, thank you for, for the good questions for, for everyone to hear as everyone's listening to this AFC North Ultimate Crossover episode. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the Browns. We'll be back Thursday to just wrap things up. We'll have a little bit of fun with it. Actually, that's going to be on Friday. Sorry. So tomorrow, Browns, Friday, wrapping up. Look forward to those episodes. Jeff, last word here for Jeff. The Browns is the best day. We're obviously going to disagree with that here at the Lockdown Bengals podcast, but that is going to do it for us. We'll be back the next couple (laughs) days to finish up this AFC North crossover week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.